Today's episode is brought to you in part by ExtraHop. Think analytics, folks. ExtraHop is the enterprise cyber analytics company delivering performance and security from the inside out. More on ExtraHop later in the show, but if you just can't wait, visit extrahop.com slash packetpushers to find out more. For $99 a month, INE's new All Access Pass subscription plan allows IT professionals to expand their skill set and stay up to date with the latest industry developments and information available. Visit INE.com slash packetpushers today and start training for your dream career. INE.com slash packetpushers. Today's heavy networking, Vios. Vios is, quote, an open source network operating system based on Debian New Linux. Vios provides a free routing platform that competes directly with other commercially available solutions from well-known vendors. Because Vios is run on a standard AMD64, i586, and ARM systems, it is able to be used as a router and firewall platform for cloud deployments. Close quote. Mm, cool, we're going to talk about open source NASs today. And here to catch us up on Vios is Yuri Andamasov, the project coordinator. Yuri, welcome to Packet Pushers Heavy Networking. And if you would, in a sentence or two, would you tell us who you are and what you do? Hello. My name is Yuri. I'm systems engineer and project manager at Sentryu. And, well, my specialty is VMware and Linux system. And as you mentioned, I'm working on Vios project too. Yeah, okay. And uh, as the project coordinator for Vios, wh what's your job? What is the project coordinator's job? So it's like mix of of everything, like many roles together. But basically, it's connecting people, connecting people with other people, with tasks, with ideas, with customers, and, and so on. Because since Vios is kind of distributed project, it's a little bit different in, in terms of organization, how, how all that works. And you need someone who basically doing, the, let's say, glue stuff, like gluing people together and gluing tasks together. Okay, so you're the guy in the middle that's uh, helping to make things happen within the project, uh, a facilitator, uh, as you put that, that glue role, connecting people with, uh, with needs that are happening within the project. Right, right. Yeah, okay. Okay, now uh, you, you, you're going to be the guy that's going to tell us all about Vios today. So let's start at the beginning. In a nutshell, describe Vios. What is it? So, so Vios is like Linux-based distribution for routers and firewalls. It's Linux kernel. It's a bunch of open source software. And it's uh, CLI and configuration system, which is like bind all the progressors. When I'm telling about networking uh, applications, uh, it's like DHCP servers, FTP, NTP, uh, free range routing, and like strong swan, and much more open source software that you can find around different solutions, basically. Yeah, okay, so it's, it is compar comparable to uh, the sort of an operating system I might run from uh, Cisco. I have routing capabilities, there's firewalling capabilities, uh, and, and so on. And as you say, I can use it as a router, I can use it as a firewall. It's got, it's got lots of networking functionality that I would need to run any sort of a network built in. Right. I don't. I want to make sure we understand the difference between Viata and Vios. So my memory of Viata is that back when Brocade got uh, broken up into chunks after the buyout with Broadcom and sold off, that AT and T had bought Viata. So is AT and T involved in Vios in some way, or are those is Viata and Vios are those actually different projects? No, AT and T not not involved in Vios. It's now by now it's like completely different project. So originally there was company Viata that created Viata router. Lately they split that Viata into flowers. If you want, one was Viata core or community, and other was Viata subscription edition, which was at that time. Partially proprietary. So Viata Core was open source completely and subscription edition was proprietary. Before, like right before uh, Brocade uh, acquired the Viata company, uh, well, they silently killed open source uh, version of project. So that was forum was removed, documentation disappeared. Like 
website went defunct and uh, it's disappeared. So we, when I tell the, I mean, uh, Daniel, Daniel, who is my colleague, he forked the latest version of Viata Core, and since then it's called it under uh, Vias name. So the difference difference between uh, these solutions, uh, basically, Viata lately under when it was already acquired by Broca, uh, it went more proprietary. They switched to Zeppos uh, network stack from IP Infusion, and they continued kind of proprietary rate of, uh, of uh, product uh, development. While yes, in in difference, we just stay open source, all down the road. Got it. So Viata is again. It's it's kind of gone in a different direction. Well, I should put it this way: Vios has gone a different direction. It, it has remained fully open source uh, using the Linux networking stack. You know, Viata isn't. It's doing something different. Gone in a different direction. AT and T is not involved with uh, with Vios. This Vios is really operating as a traditional open source uh, project. Well, all right. You work for a company called uh, Centrium. How does Centrium fit into the Vios picture? I noticed there's a you and other people that work at Centrium that seem to be major contributors to the Vios project. That is correct. So initially, like Vios started as a community project, so there was no legal entity behind it. It was purely a community project. But uh, on, uh, uh, on our way to evolution, let's say, it was like clear that we need to to do something more apart from just maintaining open source project. From there, uh, core contributors, we decided to start a company which is called Centrio uh, to to be kind of company behind YOS because that is what people start asking us around the forums and different sources like that. Well. Who provides support? What is the company behind it? Like how how we can how we can use it? So it was it was natural for us uh, to do something like that. Well, and since we not like purely focused on VRS, we also doing all kind of consulting integration services and uh, often using VRS there. So it, like no brainer for us. Yeah, so you guys had a use case for it and just decided to jump in and support it and uh, make it do what you needed is what I'm hearing, yeah? Correct. Yeah. It's basically like someone should do that. And well, since no one took that responsibility, we we took it. Yeah, I get it. It makes sense. Of course, that's a two-edged sword because now you're... <laughs> Now you own it in a way. I mean, I know it's open source. There's a lot of people that can help, but um, but yeah, now now you've got this responsibility you've uh, taken on for the community, which is which is a noble thing. Yeah, it's like well, it's it just uh, beginning because final finally we plan to launch what is called the Bias Foundation, so more companies can be involved. So it's not purely centrum property or whatever, like yet another vendor. We just want to go a little bit further, you know. Well, let's talk about Vios itself. Let's get into the nuts and bolts for the network engineers that want to understand this thing. Uh, What are the main Vios features? I was reading through documentation. It looks like there's routing, firewall, NAT, VPN, QoS. Hit hit the highlights for us of the things that are uh, major features I can use in Vios. Well, it's like uh, any other router and everything that you can expect from it. So it's basically uh, routing, of course, because it's router, firewall, NAT, VPN, quality of service, and and, 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 and other stuff like, I don't know, DHCP service, uh, for example, or DNS forward there, and, and, and things like that. It's pretty advanced on, on, uh, on the routing side, but also, like, you can do a lot of things with it. I think it's important to emphasize that, right, it is a router and a firewall at its core, but then it also has these additional services. Uh, so, so for one, uh, VPN termination points. So I can terminate VPN tunnels on there, IPsec, OpenVPN, 
L2TP, WireGuard are all supported IPsec, are all supported uh, VPN uh, protocols that I can use there. And then other services you mentioned, I can, Vios can be a TFTP, NTP server for me. It could be a DHCP server, it could be a proxy server. Uh, there's a lot of functionality baked into this code. Right. Hmm. Well, let's dig into the routing stuff. Um, the you know, the, just get into the the, the real core layer three stuff. Uh, what routing protocol support is there? And w- when you describe that, tell me: are the routing daemons that are there unique code, or are they borrowed from other open source projects? So, uh, initially, YoS in version one point one said yes, we use it Quava, but in one point two version, which is like released a few months ago. Uh, we switch it to free range, free uh, range routing, which is basically a fork of uh, Quagga, which is actively developed by by a bunch of serious guys like from Cumulus Linux, from uh, from other big companies, from Origin, and so on. So we basically using now free range routing for our routing protocol stack. And yeah, that gives gives you a lot. Uh, we have actually talked to the free range routing, some of the free range routing guys on uh, packet pushers before. It's been a while, but um, we caught up with Don Sharp a while ago, one of the developers that, as far as I know, is still a Cumulus. And uh, and, and yeah, so that gives us. Um, I'm looking at our list here: BGP, OSPF, OSPF v3, uh, RIP, and RIP NG. And I know Don was even talking that it's not super hard to add other protocols to FRR. He was even playing around with EIGRP since EIGRP has got a an open source or an, an opened standard that's out there that you could implement it if you wanted to. I don't know if he actually did, but he was talking about it. Yeah, yeah it's in ongoing work. I see like there is more protocols basically in uh, routing. We are currently exposed in CLI only some of them, and other is planned for future, like ISIS, for example. And well, but free range routing have much more support. It's like pretty powerful, and uh, we just started using it, so we have a lot of things to do there too. Oh, that's actually important to, to highlight. So, what I'm getting in the VIOS implementation of FR isn't everything that FRR might have. It's what you guys have exposed in the CLI. So BGP, OSPF, RIP, and uh, and again, maybe something else later like ISIS. Correct. Got it. Okay. Let's say I'm a company. I'm interested in working with some open source components uh, in my networking stack because of whatever my reasons are. Would I look at Vios as a you know, a serious OS that's designed for production environments, or is Vios more of like, eh, it's fun for home stuff and fiddling around in a lab? Well, it's no, like, a uh, street border between these two. Like, it really depends what you want to do. For example, I myself using it at home, as my home. But then people using it, like, for uh, all kinds of stuff now, when routing is software is so powerful and, like, not that expensive, uh, people start looking at it. So from what we have now, it's like pretty, we can find pretty big players, for example, Spotify or Shopify using VS for their needs. Uh, and around customers, you can find anything like universities, museums, research facilities, banks, uh, uh, small ESPs, managing service providers, and so on. So it's like, it's production. It's for production tool. It's good enough. Got it. There, so there are, it is good enough for production environments. It is it is appropriate for production systems. Uh, and you described a whole bunch of different kinds of uh, companies that that are using it across the range, including big big iron. You said internet service providers and cloud operators, but also you know, universities and you know, banks and uh, etc. And and then of course I can use it in the lab uh, as well if I want to. So I, I get what you're saying. It it fits in anywhere that I want it to. Right. I it's pretty versatile. Like it, it really depends uh, what you need, and you can just try to see if it works for you. And if it works, you continue. If not, well, you're looking for other solution for your <laughs> needs. Sure. Okay. 
Now, if I do want to run Vios in my lab environment, like say GNS3 or EVNG or something like that, is that supported? Yes, people run in it, like not myself, uh, but uh, I know that uh, there was a bunch of questions on forums as well. So uh, it works there. No, it's Linux. So, I mean, to me, it's like it should just run in really any hypervisor that I could fire up a, a Linux on. Is that fair to say? Exactly. You just can use like the type to hypervisor or, or run it on ESXi, VSXi, or KVM. Like, whatever you have in your hands, like, what is more common for you? So keeping the theme of the, of lab stuff here, Yuri, I was digging through Vios documentation. And I spotted this network emulator feature. And for labbing, that sounded pretty cool. Can you talk about that network emulator feature? Yeah, it's basically quality of service discipline that is, instead of making things better, just making worse. So you can add to their latency, for example, or packet loss, or packet reordering and so on, like to emulate the one link. It's pretty useful for labs, of course, but also if you want to, for example, to test behavior of your application with, with, with spec networking, for example. So you can uh, add a bunch of set conditions and see how your application handles that situation. That's really useful. Uh actually, on a couple of levels. One, just as you were describing, how do applications behave in the presence of a bad network? That's that's pretty cool. But then also, um, I'm actually, as we're recording this, in the middle of building out a QoS course, I put out a survey, and one of the comments I got back from people who responded to my survey is, how can I even tell that my QoS policy is working? Multiple people asked me that. And so it sounds like um, some lab work would be in order for those folks to prove that out. And on a BIOS platform, you've got a network emulator that could maybe help with that. So that's pretty interesting. Um, so use cases here, use cases for BIOS. What are we describe some of the kinds of companies that are using it? But what are they using it for in the real world? So just um, go from from examples uh, from my experience. We basically run uh, basic completely on BIOS. That was virtualized on VMware. It was in several data centers. We have several feeds, and it's, and it's working great. I mean, like uh, it's not huge or biggest uh, VoIP operator, but it wasn't small actually. So uh, we switch it uh, from from hardware router when we start start chunking, and it served pretty well for for years. And then when we start like more working on VOS, like spreading the word about it and, and finding out how our users use it and so on, we discovered basically a lot of cases where people use it for for BGP because it's not exotic anymore, you know, like to get BGP networking, not like even five years ago, like every, everyone now has BGP. And it's pretty useful because in classic solutions, you have like like the small uh, or home office basic solutions, and then you just need to jump to something, some expensive box. And many people just don't try to do it. So they use VIS, uh, either virtualize it or install it on Metal. Another really common use case, which we see, is branching with clouds. Since like there's a lot of stuff happening in Amazon Web Services or Azure, people need a way to 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 have connectivity there. And yeah, of course they provide uh, open tools, but sometimes sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes it's pretty expensive if you like, for example, talk about IPsec tunnels uh, on Amazon. You just need to pay per tunnel, and if you have like I don't know, 20 endpoints, it, it can hit your budget. So it's just easier to have one by us and terminate everything there. Mm. We'll be back to this podcast shortly, but we're going to talk about ExtraHop, a packet pusher sponsor first. Your job probably includes managing applications, network infrastructure, and so on. But how do you do that when you can't even see everything those apps are running on? When half the network the app is running across isn't even yours? Add to that SDN changing things in automated ways that maybe feel out of your control. 
or devs and other business units firing up their own cloud instances and then expecting you to support it even though you've got zero instrumentation. These scenarios are some of the ways that ExtraHop can help. ExtraHop is a leader in network analytics, and they help you consolidate tools into their analytics platform and make sense of application performance running over infrastructure that's sprawled beyond your data center and across the internet and then into the cloud. ExtraHop offers complete visibility and leverages machine learning to help you make sense of the mountain of metadata about your network, and in the end, you can make informed decisions about your IT stack and do it quickly. If you go to extrahop.com slash packetpushers, you can find out more about the ExtraHop performance platform. Once more, that is extrahop.com slash packetpushers. And now, back to the show. The cost of Vios is, is interesting. We, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on because I want to get into the licensing models uh, for that. Because, yes, it's open source, but the story is a little more complicated. But let, let's, leave, let's leave that for the moment because um, I want to talk about getting Vios up and running and configured. So when I run Vios, am I committing like the whole device to it? Um, because it's, it's, it sounds like a Linux distro or, or can I run it more like a daemon would run? No, no, it's complete, uh, complete distro, complete uh, distro. And as such, you need to install it either to hard power or to virtual machine. So it will be behave like normal operating system, right? So I'm taking a, a, a server, um, and I'm going to be running Vios on this thing. This, in other words, this Vios is going to take over the whole box. That's what I'm going to do with it. Uh, it would be the would be the big idea. I'm going to really commit a whole server to act as a network forwarding device. It's not something that just kind of runs in the background, and I have this big server that's doing all this other stuff. This device, whatever I load it on. Is uh, is going to run Vios? It's going to be a router or a firewall for me. Is that the right Correct. way to think about it? Yeah. Okay. Correct. If you're looking like for 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 some high level of performance and want, I don't know, want to do ten gigs or whatever, you will do it on bare metal. And then if you have uh, like a little bit uh, lower needs, you can run it in virtual machine like both. On the hypervisor of your choice, basically it can be KVM or VMware SXI or Xen, like whatever you prefer. You know. Yeah, I got it. So this, the right way to think about it is, if I need the big performance, I'm going to buy um, a server, some kind of hardware, and let VIOS have the whole box. But I could, if I don't have a high throughput requirement. Throw it on a VM on a hypervisor that's shared with other boxes, and do do the normal sorts of plumbing that I would with any sort of uh, VNF. That would be a you know a fair application. So I have a server that's got a, it's like probably four or five years old. It's got a Xeon processor. It's got thirty two gigs of RAM. It's got four one gig NICs. Is there any? It, I should be able to just throw VIOS on there if I wanted to. Bare metal. There's nothing like exotic uh, hardware requirements. That VIOS needs? Mm, not really. Well, you know, it really depends on hardware because if you're using some fancy hardware rate or whatever, probably can, in some cases, can see them. But normally, yeah, you just go install it on, on hard drive and you're ready to go. Okay. So we mentioned running on uh, x86 boxes, popular hypervisors it's going to run on. You listed off those. What about cloud? Could I run it up in, is there like an AMI image like for Amazon, that kind of thing? Yeah, at this point, we already have uh, official images uh, on uh, Amazon Web Services, on Azure, and we're working to introduce Google Cloud and Oracle pretty soon. And yeah, we're going to support more clouds down the road. Basically, since the cloud backed by common hypervisors, so it's not not that hard. So most of clouds that you will see now, uh, it will be supported, I think, by end of the year. And then what about a white box switch? Um, something with some kind of a Broadcom chipset, let's say. Is there an option to run BIOS there? It's, it's not really something that we target because there is a lot of other open source initiatives about uh, white box switches, same Cumulus Linux or OpenSwitch, and I believe there, there was much more. And we try to cover a little bit 
different uh, different things uh, with Vanyas. It is something that you basically will not want to do on Switch. You know, like netting or VPNs, things like that. So we trying to cover uh, that part of networking, which is not really Switch-centric, let's say. I understand. Well, and that actually, what that implies to me is I might need a bunch of resources to run Vios. I mean, is it a good idea to have a if I really want a high throughput box that isn't compromised when I start turning on features? Do I need a lot of RAM, a lot of CPU cores? Uh, maybe do, do I benefit from having a fancy NIC with TCP offload and so on? Yeah, if you deploy environmental, of course, like selection of NICs and CPUs. By so that you probably will want uh, CPUs with higher frequency and 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 mix from Intel or maybe Mellanox, some something like that. That is what performs pretty well. But then, if you need to to put some like really simple router, either in lock or for home use or for small office, whatever. I mean, like. You can can run that on pretty small box on or, or all PC. You just need few network cards, and that's it. So people running it on that small boards, uh, which is based on AMD Geo processors or Celerons, it's like small boxes. Yeah. Okay. You were mentioning earlier that if I run on bare metal, that would give me the option to like fill a 10 gig NIC. Uh, how how big could I go? Could I actually fill a 100 gig? Well, not at this time. It can be tricky, basically, at this time, because we use, as I mentioned, we use Linux network stack and, well, with tuning and something in mind with special Planet hardware, I mean CPUs, combination CPUs, and network cards in memory, you can get maybe up to 40 gigabytes units per second, but not, not much more. We don't use at this point any kernel bypass technologies, anything, anything like that, but we do working now on planning how we implement XTP, which is, looks pretty promising. So maybe we're getting there, but I can't, to be fair, I mean, are there a lot of customers that are really demanding 100 gig out of Vios? I, I guess maybe some of the cloud people would uh, might care about that, but... Well, like, we basically not trying to, to satisfy everybody. Hmm. I completely understand that, like, for, for, for bigger support, you need some, some specialized hardware and things like that. And it's nothing but in that, basically, like, we just cover this part and that guys that was a bigger part and everybody's happy. Hmm. Okay. Now, maybe I am used to the Cisco CLI because the vast majority of engineers listening to this are, and they're wondering about you know interacting with, with the Vios CLI. If they know Cisco, will they be comfortable uh, at Vios? Well, Vios CLI is more similar to that what you can find in Juniper. So, it's 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 stateful, and you just prepare first change set and then commit the changes at, at once. Uh, so that is main difference, I believe, like with with Cisco worlds. But then it's pretty intuitive. So once you get basics and know how it uh, how it organizes, I think it's like really comfortable and. Pretty much uh, immediately, and it, it has a lot of built-in help. So it's just question mark and call that supernus and see what what it do or, or how, what options you have. Let's say. Yeah, you had me at Juniper. As soon as you said it was a, a Juniper-like CLI, I got uh, got kind of happy because uh, that's. Of course, I've spent lots and lots of years with iOS and iOS style CLIs as well, and a lot of those are great, and they keep advancing. But um, you know, the Juniper Juno style CLI is the one I've always favored when I finally had a chance to work in a Juniper environment because of the you know the commit, the rollback abilities, and so on. Again, not that iOS doesn't have those; certain flavors of it definitely do. But um, you know, being able to 
work in that kind of a mindset, that stateful mindset at the CLI is a, is a great thing. And I think most people, even if you've never played with a Juniper CLI, you, you get used to it really quickly and then begin to like, how did I ever not work like this? This is great. <laughs> so that, yeah. that, that Vio CLI is like that uh, makes me happy. Well, okay. CLI is old school though, Yuri, right? We know this. No one wants to use the CLI. Okay. We're all using the CLI still. Let's admit this, but, but <laughs> network automation is a thing and many people are trying to advance the art of their network configuration management there. Do I have VIOS options that'll help me with uh, automation? Is there an API or maybe a Python library, something like that? Yeah. So right now you have like several ways. One way will be as you told to Python library that you can use to connect and configure VOS. And the other two ways, which is pretty popular across our users, is Ansible and Salt. So we added Salt support not that much ago, uh, not much time ago. And Ansible, it's like for quite a long time there, it's maintained by Ansible guys. We collaborate with them, and it's like primary tools. There is still no full-featured uh, API. There is like several reasons for it, mostly because of technical debts that we should pay uh, now because of decisions of of Viata guys a long time ago. But it's basically we just need to change a lot of things which we're actually doing right now. And once we're happy with this state, we will start exposing this such normal or cool APIs that you will expect, like with, with rollbacks, with parallelized script execution, and, 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 and things like that. But you're in, right, You you. it sounds like a, a major architectural change you're having to do to support an API. So there is... As you said, there's a Python library, there's an Ansible library, there's some uh, integration with Salt uh, that's begun. And the API is going to come, but it does sound like a lot of hard work on your part just to get that code ready to support an API. So it's going to be, well, how long? You know, a, a couple of years more kind of thing? or It's it's more like up to one year. I mean, like, we can... We... You know, when people installing the router or trying to use some features, they expect certain level of stability. And we just don't want to include really rough stuff yet. So we're trying to to make it usable and 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 somewhat tested already, so people can start using it and, and see how how it goes. So it, it takes time. I mean, like if you want to do that good, you just need to spend time on that. That makes sense, and that's fair. And I think most people that would use the product would appreciate not being exposed to overly rough stuff. So that's appreciated. Uh, let's say I've been listening to this podcast and I'm very interested in in Vios. How do I get a hold of it? And I, I raise this question because it's like, well, wouldn't you just go to the site, Google it, and download it or something? But it's it's actually a little more complicated than that because you, as Vios, recently changed the distribution model. There's a rolling release. There's a long-term support release. Can you explain the model and why the Vios community needed to go in this direction? Yes, of course. So it's pretty similar to how uh, Red Hat distributes their software. There is uh, uh, our rolling release. It's somewhat equivalent to Fedora, uh, like latest latest patches, latest features, latest everything, but no long term support and no guarantees, right? Uh, it's freely accessible. You can go to Melody to use it, to test, and well, it's in in most cases it just works as you, as you will expect. But since it's rolling, obviously we can break things sometimes. Sometimes it's not built. Sometimes something missing. So it's like development branch. Oh, right. And, and and again, that rolling release, I actually looked at that because as you said, it's it's right out there. You release those fairly often, those builds. There's a, a, a steady cadence of rolling releases that come out. So if something did break, there's probably going to be a new release fairly shortly that maybe fixes that or whatever. But But the big idea there, no guarantees and so on, but you can get at it with no problem. Exactly. 
it's building daily, so you can like uh, if you found some problem, you probably write on our development portal or in Slack channel. Someone looks in that and it's and fix it, and in next release, it's already there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes longer. It mostly depends on, on, on type of issue. So if the rolling release scares me, I do have a long-term support option. Tell us about that. So long-term support option is uh, like more conservative way to do software. So we not putting all features, all new features or all new stuff into LTS, but instead we just generate fixes, bug fixes, and sometimes features that can be of interest of users or requested like frequently. And uh, well, one of most important things that we offer uh, SLA uh, package support uh, for customers who need that. Because in many cases, before we introduced support, it was like that, that people just uh, cannot use it if there is no, no one behind to reply questions or address problems if they hit them. So besides that, we distribute, like build and distribute LTS uh, release in several software. So that comes in form of ISO. Then we have uh, OVA, which is basically virtual appliance for VMware. Uh, we do rough images for for. Kevin back at the heap reviewers, uh, like Proxmox and Mutanix and so on. And we also do uh, raw images for OpenStack. That one comes with, with CloudNet pre-configured. It's like, pretty handy to have uh, that uh, deployed in private clouds. And to, apart from that, we currently working to introduce uh, images specific to hardware. So we we're working currently on images for Supermicro, for Dell EMC servers, and we have few devices to support from Agicore networks. This sponsored break in our conversation is courtesy of INE.com, experts at making you an expert. INE is proud to announce the release of a new monthly all-access pass subscription plan that provides users with unlimited access to their entire content library of over 14,000 training videos. This subscription plan is designed with the individual subscriber in mind. It's the same great content INE is known for with payment options tailored to your needs. The all-access pass allows IT professionals to continue expanding their skill set and stay up-to-date with the latest industry developments and information available. For $99 a month, users can take advantage of a wide variety of tools and services devised and curated by top experts in the field. INE is committed to the personal success of every user, from engineers looking to advance their careers to corporate teams aiming to strengthen projects with the best technology there is. The all-access pass opens the door to hundreds of courses and thousands of videos covering an extensive range of topics including networking, DevOps, security, development, data science, and general IT. All-access pass subscribers can utilize unlimited streaming of over 14,000 training videos, free online classes, monthly webinars, an advanced progress tracking tool, and comprehensive workbooks. Users can learn more about the best technology being used today from those who know it best. INE's experts share their experiences and knowledge working with Cisco, AWS, CompTIA, Google, Java, and other top technologies. Subscribers can choose between a flexible monthly payment plan of $99 a month or secure their training for a whole year for $999. That's two months of access for free. Users on either plan can cancel at any time with no extra fee. INE can guide you in any direction you choose. It's never been easier to take that first step. Visit INE.com slash packet pushers. One more time, that is INE.com slash packet pushers. And now back to the show. And the big deal here with these long-term support images and everything that's available, uh, if I want to get a hold of that, I've got a couple of options. I can build it from source, and anybody can do that. I can just I can download the source code, compile it from my environment, and off I go if I'm willing to do that. Um, or I need to be some kind of a commercial supporter of the project or an active contributor to the project. Uh, so some people are looking at them, that doesn't sound like open source to me, but the distinction here is we're talking about the long-term support image. 
uh, specifically that's got this requirement for support or deep involvement in the project. Why? What? Why did? Why did this happen? Why did um, the Vios project need to go to this model with the long-term support image? Well, for several reasons. To bring more attention to open bias to, to wider uh, user base. Because I told you, like, uh, okay, many companies can just go and install it and use it and they have and to assume the risks that they have. But then other companies just don't try to do it. They need support. To mention, like, to, to cover the, the difference, like open source or not, not open source, we offer LTS release binary builds made by Centrium, which is basically paid. But as you told, you can build it from source at any time and it will be pretty similar to what we do, just without our support, if, if we can tell in that way. So it's still open source. Uh, why we why we change it to um, to that kind of rolling and LTS releases from previously fixed fixed uh, model release? It's because uh, you know when people come to contribute adding new features or fixing bugs, they would like to see that pretty much. Uh, as soon as possible. And with fixed releases, it can took like from several months to to year to appear. And obviously it's not helps with contributors because people expect a little bit faster that to happen. So uh, on the other hand, like service providers or enterprise users, they prefer stability over like new features or or or, or some some kind of obscure bugs that they never seen. So like it's two different camps. And obviously in, in fixed model we cannot cover that. So we decided to, to split that. So if you know what you you do and you are happy with that and you can patch things and, and you can like have the changes uh, committed to to project pretty 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 fast. That comes to network engineers that like working with iOS and so on. And if you if you enterprise user and prefer stability and 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 just want to install and forget it, uh, that way you probably will opt in for LTS release. And most important thing maybe to, to mention, you already told that, but just to repass. Contributors, those who participate with us in with development testing, like in documentation, like there's so many ways to participate. They have access to the LTS images at no cost. So so if I'm yeah actually clarify that if I uh, am a contributor that doesn't necessarily mean I have to be a developer contributing code or fixes. I could have access to the LTS release as a contributor doing lots of different things. Um, so, so talk me through that again, how I could contribute. So, well, we're not required to coding, but it's welcome. If you can or want to write something, you you can. You can submit patches, you will review it, and and, and, and merge sooner on a certain level of quality. But then we understand that not everybody develops. And there's a lot of things which is, uh, can be done in, the, in this way. For example, documentation. It's like, since it's pretty complex software, there's a lot, lot of things there, not already covered, but a lot of... Mm, could be something could be outdated, something not covered like good enough. That is, uh, that is uh, what people can do apart from coding. Or I don't know. For example, you can write some short manual how to connect I don't know iOS to Amazon or to Azure or things like that. I mean, we're not really strict on on uh, contribution. That, Definitions. It's, it's, it just just be of, be involved. Make the Vios right. world better. Right. You, everything from from documentation to uh, how tos, tutorials, blog posts, kind of things 
that uh, improve the community, uh, help people to use Vios easier, all of that qualifies as contributions. And so if you're you know keen to have the long-term support release, it's not like you got to sit there and uh, you know start staring at code and patching things or fixing things or adding new features to be uh, considered a contributor. There's just, just very practical ways that you can be a contributor and have access to LTS with no um, uh, you know co- no cost to you, if you will. Exactly. So it's it's about involvement and everything is count. Like if you helping people on on forums to solve their problems, it's also a contribution. Just as good as any other. So I will just call everybody to join and see themselves. Well, I got a couple of closing questions for you, Yuri. One is this: What are some capabilities of Vios that most people don't know about? One of that not often used uh, is, for example, configuration, versioning, and archive. So it's basically each uh, each. Uh, commit of changes that you do, it's stored and it can be viewed, compared to previous changes. You can look what was changed like several commits before and things like that. So it's pretty pretty usable and handy once you know how to use it. Another, another feature I find quite useful is that you can set the uh, command almost of any configuration node inside the VS script. So later, if you export or look in complete uh, config, you can see that comments and it can be really handy in complex configurations. Very cool. And then another thing I noticed digging through Vios you know, documentation and the different websites and stuff, there is a, apparently a certification program coming. Can you tell me about that cert program? Yeah, that is also a period from demand. We just noticed that there is people starting looking for engineers which just have practical knowledge with Vios. And from from there, for us, was like kind of obvious that we need to cover that too. It's, it's important. So we initially uh, plan to, to to launch network engineer certification, which is Vias Network Engineer, which is focused heavily on on advanced networking, on routing protocols, or on, on dynamic routing, on, on that kind of stuff. And a bit later, uh, we plan to introduce second track, which is more focused on security. Uh, here we're talking about firewall, VPNs, and, 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 and things like that. More, more complex uh, tasks with zone-based firewall and so on. So it will be two tracks, and uh, this will be in form of hands-on environment where you just connect and you need to configure everything according according to requirements of 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 exam. Now that sounds like a fun exam right there. So I've done so many certifications where I have to go sit in some horrible dirty testing center where it's just an ancient computer and multiple choice questions and whatever other kind of questions they throw in there that are all multiple choice but just grind away at these horrible questions going ugh this is such a terrible way to test my knowledge. If I can connect into a lab and be asked a bunch of configuration tasks that I need to do to show I know how to do this or or I don't, you know, one way or the other, that sounds like a way more interesting test. It'd still be very hard, you know, very difficult test depending on how detailed you get. But that I, I'd way rather prep for a test like that than yet another miserable multiple choice trivia exam sort of a question. Uh, or sort of exam that just sounds awful compared to what you're describing. So, so bravo! I hope that that works. That you can actually do that effectively and and test people in that way. I hope so too. No, it's like seems pretty logic for us because, uh, as you told, that question based uh, tests it's awful. And then when it comes to practical knowledge, well. You or know that stuff, or you don't know it, <laughs> and it's right. like this test. You maybe can guess it uh, somehow if you're lucky enough, but on practice, uh, no, <laughs> not works like that. Right. Um, 
We were talking earlier, Yuri, about kind of uh, the API feature being sort of a roadmap thing. It's something you're working on, maybe a year, maybe more to bring that to life. Are there any other roadmap features that you want to talk about? Yes. Like right now, once we uh, launched 1.2, it was like huge release for us. We now focus it to expand uh, hardware support because it's really frequently asked uh, question from people like, oh, which hardware I should use? So what we want to do basically at the set of uh, servers and smaller devices uh, that can be used, like give uh, people that way, like just like, you don't need to go figure out it yourself. It's like listed and you can just buy it or use it either from Dell or Micro or HCore or some other vendors. Then, of interesting, uh, we start working on MPLS support. This, of course, also will take a bunch of time to, to have that working, but it's uh, work is started. And most interesting for us, currently, it's at the XDP support, which is now in, in Linux kernel, and we plan to get benefits from it. For those who don't know what is XDP, it's Express Data Pass, which is great technology. Take a look at Google, it's pretty promising and it's cool. It's, it's exciting to hear that there is uh, there is a roadmap with a lot of things going on. And what's weird about this conversation to me, Yuri, is I don't know why BIOS was not on my radar. I, I'm talking to different people and different companies and different projects all the time. And I'm glad that Vios popped up uh, to have this conversation because it sounds like a really valuable resource, actively supported project. And for whatever reason, it wasn't on my radar, but it is now. So thanks for taking the time uh, to chat with Packet Pushers today. For people that are that want to know more or maybe they want to follow you, are there any Twitter handles, resources, anything you want to share and, uh, and tell people how to find out more or follow you? Uh, you can follow us either on Twitter or just go to blog.bios.io and subscribe there and publish project progress there. We also announce the typical uh, social media, so you just search for bias and it should pop out. Either LinkedIn or or Facebook or or Twitter as well, as, as, as we mentioned. Very good. Thanks again, Yuri, for joining us today, Project Coordinator for Vios. And uh, thanks to you for listening today. We do hope you learned something. And if you did, there's a lot more information over at PacketPushers.net because we've been publishing stuff since 2010. So we have a lot of podcasts, blog articles, uh, videos, uh, newsletters, uh, and so on. There's lots and lots and lots of information about networking and also other IT disciplines. We have shows now that cover cloud we have um, uh, shows that uh, we cover security or we'll talk about wireless or uh, you get the idea. Lots and lots to help you as a professional in IT keep up with the latest and learn new things. Professional career development, that is the big idea. And you can find all we have to offer on our subscribe page, packetpushers.net slash subscribe. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>